to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Um, okay, so this, this, is a, this is a topic that's uh, uh, very dear to my heart, and I'm going to tell you some stories about my life. Lah. So um, one of the effects of being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit is a renewed desire for the Word. And uh, Henry Blackaby teaches that uh, the Holy Spirit shines the spotlight upon Jesus. That's in Bible times. And uh, since Jesus, just track with me, okay, Jesus is the Word of God incarnate, right? He's the Word made flesh or the Word uh, in man form or in uh, bodily form. So just as the Holy Spirit shines the light on Jesus of the, in Bible times, the, the, the Holy Spirit also shines and illumines our understanding of uh, the Word of God, right? So when you are filled, okay, so when we become Christians, what happens is we have the Holy Spirit in us. Okay, um, uh, the, the reason is because uh, without the Holy Spirit, we cannot say Jesus is Lord. Okay, let's get that established. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And then there's this, this, this thing called the second experience where you are baptized or you're infilled with the Holy Spirit. And that's when people get a bit confused because uh, there are many gifts of the Spirit and uh, we believe that uh, speaking in tongues is not the only manifestation of the Holy Spirit, uh, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So here, here is where we... Let me just have a show of hands just to help me. Uh, how many of you are less that easy? How many of you are Christians here? Okay, and how many of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit here, or baptized with the Holy Spirit, with or without the, the, the speaking of tongues? Okay, wonderful. So I, I encountered the Holy Spirit when I was 15 years old. It was at a youth camp, and up until then, I had gone to church regularly, accepted Jesus into my life several times because they gave free Bibles, uh, and enjoyed the company of church friends but my life was uh, relatively unchanged. I had a bad temper at home. I was timid. I had little to no purpose in life. And I mean, I was only 15. No, what do you expect a 15-year-old to have a purpose in life? But nowadays, things are different, right? Okay. But after school every day, I would be at home uh, doing nothing, basically. And this is what I remember doing. Okay, after school, I go home, I have some lunch, and then I'll lie down on my bed underneath the ceiling fan and I'll stare at the ceiling fan turning one way. And then after a while, you see it turning the other way. And then I'll shift my gaze, and I'll start it all over again. I'll do this over and over again until I fall asleep. So when I, when I think about this, this, this ceiling fan is, was actually a metaphor of my life. Uh, just day in, day out, you know, going to school, coming back, sleeping, eating, and then the next day, going to school again. And maybe on the weekends, the routine changes to the, the other direction. But there is no progress. The ceiling fan moves, but it goes nowhere. It stays where it is. It's stationary, right? So that was me, stationary, unchanged, not transformed in any way as a Christian. Um, but I had a life-transforming uh, encounter with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. At a, at a youth camp. During worship, I felt the Lord saying, I want to show you my love. 
In faith, I lifted up my hands, probably for the first time, both hands. You know, there's some kind of progression in youth, in the youth, right? Uh, first, one hand, and then when you feel comfortable enough, two hands, then you're fully surrendered kind of thing. But uh, this was the first time I raised up both hands in response to God's call. And I said, under my breath, show me your love. And that was an act of faith that activated an avalanche of events in my life. Suddenly, heaven met earth exploding in an outpouring of God's kingdom, his mission, his purpose in my life. And I experienced it as God's love pouring out from a huge jar into my life, his love. With raised hands, I embraced the immensity of it all with weeping and with tears. And God's love was overwhelming as much as, as it was uh, assuring. Um, I felt like my sins were washed away. And as a 15-year-old goody two-shoes, I hadn't done many bad things in my life. I went to a mission school, S-A-J-S. Um, I hadn't done many bad things in my life, but still it felt like God was taking away all the hurts and bitterness in my life, washing away every negative thing and filling my cells and bones with purpose and vitality. So that 30 minutes felt longer than it actually was. I had melted into the concrete ground, into the concrete ground in uh, St. John's Island. We, we were having our camp there uh, in tears. And by the time I came to myself, the whole hall had cleared out already. I, I was just uh, enjoying myself and uh, in tears. And so everybody was in the dining hall eating their supper, but I was, I was teary-eyed and uh, you know, I was, uh, didn't look very good. So I went back to, to my room and I, and I went to sleep. So the interesting thing is that the next morning when I woke up, uh, you know, I had fallen asleep crying before. I mean, you cry, cry until you fall asleep. And the next day when you wake up, you still feel down and you still feel disappointed and dissatisfied. But this time, I felt different when I woke up. I felt like something had changed. I, um, there was a lightness in my step. It was like my burdens had been lifted away. And something inside me had turned 180 degrees. I couldn't logically understand or, or explain how that happened, but I just felt like 180 degree turn. And I was a new person. I was changed. Uh, from that time onwards, uh, I just began to have a voracious appetite for the word. I mean, I was a Christian already for some time, and, um, but uh, I hadn't had that kind of a voracious appetite. And I began reading the word day in, day out. Uh, after I come back from school, I would close the, uh, draw the, the curtains in, my, in this small room, close the door, switch on the aircon, and then have one lamp uh, shining onto this table where I spent hours reading my Life Application Bible for students. It was a dark blue colored Life Application Bible for students. Okay, you didn't have that. But I went through so many Bible guides. At the, at the back, there were a few annexes on how to read the Bible when you're disappointed or when you're anxious. Or, you know, there were several notes. So I went through all of them until they were done. And after several months... I completed uh, all these guides, and that bout of hunger was kind of like satiated. You know, I felt satisfied. I felt like there was a foundation that was built. 
And uh, the Holy Spirit, I believe, took the initiative to invite me on an adventure of discovering God's Word. And starting me first on the adventure of knowing God through the reading of His Word. So we're talking about Scripture today, and uh, one of the questions that might come to mind is, when we become a Christian, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, right, he is a new creation. The old things have gone and the new has come. Okay, that's, that's where it is. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. But why is it for how many years? Several years, there wasn't this voracious appetite that came. Um, I became a Christian, like I told you, several times. And I was a new creation. But what had happened in heaven or in the spiritual had not come down on earth. We had not begun to feel, I had not begun to feel the effects of it. So as I began to go to youth camp, uh, weekly Sunday meetings and Saturday youth, youth uh, services, the more I came closer to the point where I was ready or God felt like I was ready to receive uh, uh, this infilling of the Holy Spirit. So I just want you to know that it doesn't just happen all at once. It's a process. And this is a little bit of how I would describe the process on the, on the screen. So my encounter of the Holy Spirit was only the beginning. I got to know God better reading the Bible and what He says about my life. The more I know about God's character and how good He is, the more I began to trust Him. The more I trust Him and His Word, the more I obeyed Him. If God, who is infinitely reliable, gave me a command, then I have no fear to obey what He says to do. And the more I obey Him, the more I see Him work in my life, the more I see the blessings that come from reading the Word and practicing it, the more I begin to love Him. So knowing first, trusting Him, and then obeying Him, uh, and then loving Him. It was the Apostle Paul that said, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may know Him. His obsession in his life, you know, he was a rabbi and he was well-known. He was up in the higher echelons of society and he almost had everything that would qualify him as a successful man. But what does he say? He says that I count everything, all this that I've earned as a loss compared to knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for this sake, for his sake, Above and above, just losing everything, he says that I've suffered some more, the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may know Him. Um, may we come to this place where we have this desire to know Him, and I pray that you know we will have this experience with God, and that God will put in us a desire to 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 read the Bible for all it's worth. The Word of God is not boring. Um, the Word of God is relevant for the here and now for us. It's not only for the ancients when it was written. The Word of God is alive. It is dynamic and active. It is able to speak life into any situation you're going through. 
so this is how I've experienced the word before. Two people reading the same passage can learn from it two entirely different things, right? And not only that, two different people reading the same verse, which is shorter than the passage, can learn from it entirely two different things. Yes, you know, the Bible has, when the author wrote it, it had one intended meaning. But how is it that even for, if we give you one word, give two people one word from the Bible, two totally different things can be learned from it. How is that? Using human reasoning, one would say that there can only be one intended meaning when the author wrote it. Only the author, who is the Holy Spirit, can legally bring out a different meaning for different persons reading it. He brings life to the words and the meaning of the word of God and make it relevant to each and every person. So the Holy Spirit is living in every Christian and is not only working in our lives, he is the author of the Bible. And as, the, as being the author of the Bible and being the author of the story of our lives, he's able to bring a fusion to the word of God, which seems to be something so entirely foreign to us, to our relevant, uh, make it rele- relevant to our lives. That amalgamation and that bringing together of meaning is something that only the author can do, something that the, only the Holy Spirit can do. So, um, at this point, I just want to say or make the point that Theologizing is not meant only for the theologian. When I say theologizing, uh, Merriam-Webster defines theology as this. It says, it's the study of God and God's relation to the world. And this study of God and God's relation to the world is not reserved only for theologians. It's for every Christian. It's an undertaking that we all have have to take up. Because the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to make it contextual for ourselves. Okay? All right. There is a Bible. The Bible has a, a Bible, one background and one context for the books that has been written. But only the Christian can make it contextual for me, can make it fit my background. So there's this translation of what the Bible says into our lives, and it can only be done by the Holy Spirit. Right. This is an interesting thing that uh, someone said to me. So Melba Maggie, who is a writer and a theologian, and also the president of MICA Global, asked us students this question before. Why should theologians, many who are academics, be given the sole responsibility of deciding how we should read our Bibles? Is it even wise to do so? So let me just posit that to you to think about. The author of the word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for instruction, for conviction, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. So all scripture, though written by different authors, is God-breathed, meaning it was inspired by the Holy Spirit 
So the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. Through human hands, these words were inspired and passed down by the Holy Spirit. And God used human people to write them down. So there are different theories about how it was being done. Was it a dictation? You know, Holy Spirit says, in the beginning, then I write, in the beginning. Or was it inspired through the character of the person who's writing it? That uh, even his own uh, mannerisms or his own uh, uh, words come into play. So they're, they're just like, I think there are four different uh, stands for this. But um, I just want to say, uh, ask this question, how is it humanly possible to write down what God wanted to write? You know, my questions, and I continue to ask these questions, you know, what, what if the author, what if Matthew, the tax collector who was writing his book, was sleepy during that time? Or what if he heard wrongly? Or what if his wife uh, was uh, uh, talking to him and they just had a quarrel and he felt really down and he couldn't write exactly what the Holy Spirit said to him? Um, okay, my wife is here. But. Okay, so you are right. It's not humanly possible. But with God, all things are possible. I don't mean to generalize over this, but I just want to say that without faith, it's uh, impossible to please God. I don't want to just glaze over it. Um, but if one is able to humanly come to the decision of putting your faith in God, who is invisible, who it, to put your faith in God, who you can't see, then you ought also, right, to be able to put your trust in this word, that you can see and touch and is tangible. And can we not do that? And, and, and in this word, uh, the word of God teaches us who Jesus is. He reveals to us his attributes. The more you read the Bible, the stronger your faith will become. The more you know, the more you can trust, like we said. And the more you trust, you can obey better. And when you obey more, you begin to see God's work in your lives. You begin to love him so mixed together with your faith, the Holy Spirit makes the word come alive. Logos turns into rhema. And the word is, becomes living and active in you. Right? All right? Just to lay that foundation there. Let's look at uh, another verse in Scripture that's uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says... The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God is a sword, a very sharp sword, as the verse says. It not only cuts through the physical, our joints and marrows and our bodies, it also cuts through the soul, the thoughts and the attitudes. And it also cuts into our spirit man. When I was in uh, NUS, um, I, uh, I, uh, okay, I studied social work and econs. Uh, but this, this story is about how I was in queue going for my matriculation. So you have to line up to get your metric card. And there was this long queue, and lots of Christian fellowships and different societies will come to you while you're stuck in that queue. You cannot move, right? Unless you, you know you cannot get your metric card, and tell you to and try to recruit you. 
So during this time, there was this uh, campus crusade for Christ, uh, which is now called Crew, right, Debs? And uh, <laughs> for obvious reasons, okay, we used to call ourselves, you know, we used to go around, share the gospel, and we call ourselves Crusaders. So for obvious reasons, la, they are, the, 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 the name has changed, so thank God for that. No judgment there. So I joined, uh, I, I uh, ended up joining by a series of interesting events. Uh, so there's this guy who called me, kept calling me, okay, like uh, six or seven times, and every time I tell him I'm busy, until the seventh time I realized that maybe I should meet up with him, then I can get him off my tail, right? Maybe he just want to do his job and everything. So I met up with him, and uh, somehow, uh, by the leading of God, through... Um, so, uh, I'll tell you, the, okay, it's a long story, okay. So he, he, he's this guy, Edwin, hope he's not listening. He's, this, with a very broad smile, he, uh, he, he, we met in the arts forum and he came with this file in his hands. And this file had several documents, all words and uh, no pictures at all, all about Campus Crusade for Christ. So with this broad smile, he said, uh, he asked me, can I begin now? So I said, Yes. And he laboriously read through every word, stopping at some times to uh, just elaborate a little bit more, which I felt was not really necessary. <laughs> and I really, I, I literally dozed off a few times while he was talking to me. <laughs> but he was, I mean, I really salute his... Oblivious, oblivious yes. So insurance, right, yeah. So, I mean, I take my hat off to him. He was really persistent. And what, what happened at the end was somehow at the end of that, that presentation, really dry one, and I, of which I, I remembered nothing. Uh, yeah. He asked me, so would you like to uh, join CCC? And uh, very interestingly, at that point of time, I just felt the presence of God around, around me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, it wasn't just a presence of God that was static, you know, like, uh, oh, I feel the presence of God, but it was a directive kind of a presence in, in so that I felt a rightness to say yes to this guy who is really persistent. And I, I just said yes uh, by faith, and I joined CCC. And only later on, I, I realized why I had joined CCC. See, Campus Crusade for Christ, or crew, is uh, well known for their evangelism and their discipleship. And these were two aspects that were not good in my life. I mean, uh, VCF, uh, Varsity Christian Fellowship, they were very good worship, you know, they were known for that. And then the navigators, really good at uh, Bible study, memorizing of scripture. Uh, but God brought me to CCC. And for obvious reasons, I think, he wanted me to learn more about evangelism and, and discipleship. So for every... Every person who joins a crusade, right, or uh, sorry, a crew, right, uh, has to go for this camp called Alpha Camp. Nothing to do with Alpha. I think during that time, uh, Alpha wasn't in, out yet. Nikki Gumbo still had it in uh, HTB and not, not yet in Singapore. Lah. But we went for this Alpha Camp where we learned how to share the gospel. We shared the... Do you know what the... Yes! <laughs> four spiritual laws. <laughs> Sorry, it brings back a lot of uh, uh, memories. Yeah, 
So they train you at Alpha Camp, and after that, you go street witnessing. You know what street witnessing is, right? That means you go onto the street, you look for someone to share the gospel with. So I was in Ang Mokyo uh, with my coach, and we prayed together. My coach was this uh, older person. Uh, we call him Ang Tauni because his name is Anthony. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so we, we were just walking, and uh, I knew I had to do this. Of course, I felt nervous, right? You know, to go up to people and have a spiritual conversation with them out of the blue. Uh, so um, we prayed, and I believe God sent this 14-year-old boy in his uniform. I stopped him, and I asked him if he'd like to hear about the four spiritual laws. Okay, uh, to, be, to be fair, I asked him, have you heard of the four spiritual laws? That's the first question. Yeah, correct. And then, uh, yeah, so uh, he said yes, and we sat down, and I actually took him through the four spiritual laws. Now, I was an amateur, okay? So all I did was read through, read, read only, right? And uh, the training is actually quite good, like, because actually just reading through, right? Uh, okay, anyway, I finished the story. So you read through, and then I came to the, I think the 16th page, where it says, yeah, okay, it wasn't uh, A4, la. it was a small booklet. Small booklet. So at the 16th page, I, I read out this question to him. Would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I looked at him, and he looked at me and said, yes. But I was confused. In my mind, I was thinking, are you sure or not? I mean, this is a lifelong commitment, you know. You didn't come the course. Why don't you think about it a little bit more? But I didn't say those things. I just tiam tiam. I look at him. <laughs> and then, uh, well, we, I led him to receive Christ through a dry presentation of... <laughs> the Word of God is living and active, okay? Uh, it's nothing that I've done, but all the verses that I, I read, uh, I think made an impact on him. Uh, he just felt an affinity with this Jesus, and he wanted to say yes to him. So the Word of God is living and active, and when we read it, and even when we speak it out loud, it, it will not come back void, right? And, and through no rehearsed speech of flowery words, just a spoken reading, a word of God, hearts became ready for harvest, not just for this boy, but also for me. And what was purely a routine exercise became one that changed my life. And the verses I had read really awakened something in this boy to say yes to God. So as we talk about scripture today, today I'm not covering uh, things like uh, studying the Bible as in an OIA, you know, like observation, interpretation, and application. I'm not talking about uh, background context or how to use your concordance, lexicons, references, or all that good stuff. Okay, we're just going to talk about the person of the Bible, if I may say. Um, I want to come to a place where we approach the Bible like he was a person. To come to the scriptures as a spiritual book, not just a physical one, to approach the word as rhema and not logos, or the best way to put it is to allow the book to read us, not us reading the book. To allow the book to read us and not us 
reading the word. So let's uh, just uh, look to God in prayer. Holy Spirit, we just want to thank you for your word. And we acknowledge your presence in this place. Even as we lift up your word for your people, would you come and illumine and bring understanding to what your word holds for each one of us in the here and now in our daily lives. We commit this time into your hands and we give you glory and we uh, give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Against this backdrop where God offers us a two-way relationship with Him, one promising blessings and uh, human flourishing is the culture that we live in the here and now. A superficial, if I may say, culture. Of course, not referring to you guys, right? Just the culture. A superficial culture that entices us with foods laced with artificial flavorings, soups and sauces dunked with bags of MSG, vegetables sprayed with chemicals to make them look fresh. Not just a superficial one, but an impatient one that says, I want what I want, and I want it now. And the irony of it all is that we want, the things that we want and want it now that gets us all flustered and moody are not really the things that we need in the long run. And to maybe very possibly, our bellies, our minds and our emotions, our organs will rebel against the very things we are hungering and thirsting for today. And the very things we need for our sanity, our livelihood, our relationships, our children, the things that matter in the long run and on our deathbed are neglected, spat on, and rejected. We so need to come to an understanding of what we really need in our lives. And so many times because of our impatience and our superficiality, we don't really know until we reap what comes after the things that when, when our bellies rebel against us. We so need the silence that our culture doesn't offer us in this day and age. We need to come to a point where we can settle all this noise and allow the important things to rise and to come to the surface so that we can concentrate on them. So the Word of God is so important to bring us to this place where we can see ourselves. Our appetites are making our minds and bodies go out of whack, and we are constantly looking for food that does not satisfy. We go to bed, maybe just me, with bloated stomachs, but yet feel empty and hollow. And that's why we need to cultivate this practice of Scripture, to feed on bread that truly satisfies. We need to spend more time to allow God's word to satisfy our appetites, bring health to our bones, and cleanse our spirit man. So today, I uh, just want to introduce to you this, this practice. Uh, it's a practice called Lectio Divina. And uh, it's a practice that is first practiced by the monastic orders. And uh, in its purest form, it happens throughout the day. And uh, in, but this practice, though it was started a long time ago with only just the monastics, uh, they were in their monasteries and 
There, there were times for their prayer called the divine office. So there were many opportunities for them to stop and continue to chew and meditate on the word. So it wasn't a one-time thing. It happens throughout the day. I think it was uh, Eugene Peterson, the, 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 the author of the Message Bible, that said he, co- he would compare Lectio Divina to him. Sorry. He would, okay, so he would walk to the forest with his dog, and his dog would find a bone. And the dog would get the bone and put it in his mouth, and he wouldn't eat it straight away. He would bring it back to his home, the, the, the dog house, and bite on it a little bit more, and then bury it. And then the next day, after a few days, I mean, after a few hours, maybe take it out again and eat it again. So it's this continual feeding on the Word of God. Now, the Bible says, I think in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says uh, to meditate on the Word day and night. And then through this meditating of the, uh, of the Word, that we will find, that we will prosper in our lives. So introducing this, Lectio Divina or Lexio Divina or Lectio Divina. I'm just going to call it Lectio Divina in Latin, okay? It goes beyond the reading of the Word to having a conversation with the Holy Spirit. You know how many of us just read the Word and sometimes come back not gleaning anything from it? Maybe it's because we need to really be like uh, the monks that sit with the Word, we bury it and take it out again and then you eat again. Uh, we need to spend some time to have a conversation, kind of a back and forth. It allows us to go on a journey of discovering what your heart is saying and through that, come to know how God is moving in your life at that moment. And then the Holy Spirit speaks and then you gain insight on the things that float to the surface. And then we, we have this divine experience of listening to the reading of Scripture and having the time to respond to God about it. Lectio Divina can be done communally. It's not something that you can, uh, only can be done personally in your own private closet, okay? Um, give you an example. My first class in Fuller, our tutor spent the first 20 minutes doing Lectio Divina with us. So for 12 weeks, we meditated on the one verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, in view of God's mercy, um, uh, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Uh, this is your spiritual act of worship. And uh, for 12 weeks, 15 of us received uh, different messages every time. So that's 12 times 15. I don't know how many different meanings that we can be gleaned from one verse itself. And that really opened up my mind to the depth uh, that God can bring us to His Word. And, uh, and I want to just introduce you to that today. So one week, he would speak to me about my anxiety. Another week, he may talk to me about my relationship with another uh, classmate. Or another week, he may talk to me about something I need, to be, I need to be more thankful in my life. Or something I need to do, I need to go to some person to ask for forgiveness. Stuff like that. Lectio Divina is best combined with the practice of silence, which uh, Janice... Um, talked about uh, during this the silence and solitude one it brings a community closer together through the divine reading of god's word and can end with praying for each other so if anyone is interested uh you can ask me i have a template that you can use okay let me just introduce this practice thank you i will need that here i have a piece of uh, beef 
which I have prepared for today. Oops, I hope I don't. I don't. Uh, Is it fresh? Uh, it's it's quite fresh. Uh, it was cooked yesterday, and it was put in the fridge. Oh no, bacteria. <laughs> Okay, let's go through the movements. There are four different movements okay, in, uh, in Lectio Divina. The first is Lectio, and it, it's the reading of God's Word. And it says there, whoa, it's really small. Taking a bite. God, please bless this food and cleanse it from my body. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Lectio is just putting it in your mouth for a while. And you begin, okay, sorry. And you begin to taste what's uh, on the external of this sliver or this piece of meat. You know, you feel, I feel that, I, I mean, I can taste the, the saltiness. Uh, some juice. I haven't started chewing yet. Which brings us to the next one, meditatio, chewing. Hmm. Hmm. As I begin to chew, I begin to, you know, the juices come out of the beef. Oh, I can even uh, feel your stomach juices being secreted right now. Uh, mm, I can taste the texture, you know, it's very tender. Um, and um, mm, even more saltiness is coming out right now. And it's filling not just the front of my mouth, but it comes to the back of my mouth as well. I can just taste the whole thing. Moving on to the third uh, movement. Savoring the food. Wow. So when, I was, uh, when we were living in Sabah, I lived with uh, Janice's family, and I was always the last to finish my food. And then, um, so they call me the DBKK or the NEA, you know, the, the rubbish truck that goes to your house at night. Everything that's left over, you just throw to Matthew. It's just like a joke. Lah. Whatever is left over, I'm supposed to eat it, basically. Um, and uh, everybody finishes very quickly. I'm still there chewing my food. And then one day, uh, her sister says, well, Matthew, it's very good that you take a long time to eat. Because... <laughs> 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 what's going on in my mind is that, yeah, I know, so that I can finish all your food, right, for you, and then you don't have to waste it. Uh, but he said, uh, she said this. He said, actually, it's very good, because it's very good for digestion. Because your mouth digests certain things that your stomach doesn't. Right? And if you swallow too quickly, what happens? All the carbohydrates that are supposed to be, the enzymes here are supposed to uh, digest, goes to your stomach, and it might have, there might be, if it's not well digested, uh, maybe air will, I mean, it will rot and basically and uh, re- release uh, air that makes you blo- feel bloated. So she said, very good, you know, you chew your food, you actually chew your food. In our day and age, we kind of like have to eat quickly, right? One hour to eat. Then by the time you reach there, already half an hour or maybe 15 minutes gone already. Then you got to gobble down your food. Eat your mien. You know, don't even bite, bite finish your mien. You swallow already. So this practice encourages us... Why am I still eating my beef? <laughs> so rude, right? Yeah. <laughs> It encourages us to savor the food or savor the word of God, something that we often don't do. These three uh, movements can go from one to the other. So you might 
come to the point where you're doing oratio, you are already, what's that? Oratio is what? Huh? Your, your, your prayer and you're already savoring the food. And then maybe you feel like, okay, let's put another piece in, man. Let's go back to Lectio again. Um, then you feel the juices come out again and chill again. Um, go back to So it can go from, you can go from one to the other. It, it's not necessarily chronological. Understand, huh? Just like how we eat, right? We don't uh, eat finished one. Then we, uh, we sometimes put more things inside so that there's a nice, the vegetable and the rice and the beef comes together and you feel the combined taste of it. Okay, so that's like an advertisement break. Huh? So how to enter is something that is very... These are the four movements, but before the four movements, there's something that is very important that we pay attention to how to enter. Okay, this is where you have permission to fall asleep a bit. Can I have the, 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 the chair, please, Con? Thank you. And maybe I'll, you, I can invite you to join me for this one or two minutes uh, where we observe some silence. Okay? Um, so, okay, let's so, uh, sit down. And I can't do this, but put your feet flat on the floor. And if you want, you can put your hands on your lap or you can clap sit like this. We're going to close our eyes so that we can concentrate and focus. And I would like you to just pay attention to your body, okay? Okay, can we just all settle down? The purpose of this how to enter stage is uh, to put us in a posture of listening. So now I'd like you to listen to your body. Okay, are there any parts of your body that you, you know that, that feel tight, for example? If they feel tight, you know, you can uh, begin to breathe. And when you breathe in, you say, come Holy Spirit, in your heart lah. can breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth. And as you breathe out, begin to breathe out the tightness that's in your shoulders, for example. So you begin to listen to your body first. Then at this point of time, this preparation stage, there may be a lot of thoughts because you just came from work, for example, or you just you know, had a conversation with someone else. So... What I would encourage you to do is to shelf these thoughts. Um, not to just empty your mind, but to pray, ask God to say, oh, okay, I know, God, you know, I have this thought in my mind. I'm just thinking about what's for lunch later. And I just commit it to you. Uh, the lunch will be able to wait, but I want to spend this time with you. You might want to write it down so that you don't forget that whatever thing you need to do, um, but sure we won't forget our lunch. Mm. Yeah. Okay, everybody can open your eyes. So we come to a place where we begin to listen to our, our interior, you know, our body and our thoughts. 
right? A listening posture. And after we deal with all the things that our body was telling us and, and you know, just put them at rest, we'll be able to hear the, the word of God better. So that's the part where we uh, um, prepare for, for Lecto Divina. Okay, I'm going to just run through quickly, okay, what the, some of the questions. Okay, this picture is up because, uh, you know, the monastics practice um, Lecto Divina and other spiritual practices because they are in the monastery. They cannot help but follow the divine office, the, the different times of prayer and everything. But I want to encourage you, actually. Um, recently, I, I heard from someone, a brother of ours here, who was very ministered by his verse of the day. Now, how many of you get verse of the day from version or from the Bible app or whatever? You get a verse of the day, right? And he has been regularly reading his verse of the day. Even if it means one minute, read it, and that. He's been doing it for years. But at a point of his life, right, when uh, uh, at a down moment of his life, a discouraging moment of his life, he looked at this verse and suddenly this verse suddenly came alive to him. And just by reading the word, he felt ministered to and he was able to continue and uh, trudge on with uh, his, uh, this uh, trial that he's going through. So in a very simple way, I think we can create monasteries or cathedrals of our own. You know, we are called the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? We don't have to come to church to experience God. We can experience God, plug into, uh, it's not a must, but uh, plug into uh, the Christian music or whatever, and, and transport yourself to a place where you're able to listen. So another way is, uh, just as we have, not me, but uh, fitness watches, fitness trackers, or smart watches that tell you after you sit down for too long, right, like for one hour, it will give you a beep, 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 it's time to start walking around. It's also possible to do that with our phones. You know, every hour, perhaps, to just remind you to take some silence. So I know that a leader of an urban-based organization, he says that he will do this, he gets calls every day, and uh, he says, for every hour, I spend five minutes in silence. And he keeps to it. So even if he's on the phone talking to someone, he hears a beep on his phone and uh, it's time to have five minutes. So he, he says, sorry, I have another appointment to, to go to or can I be excused for this time? And then he, he, he uh, does his five minutes of silence and then he calls this guy back and he realizes that after these five minutes of silence, there's a clarity of mind and he's able to make strong decisions. And if this guy is telling him some problems, He's able to give some kind of input that you know, just solves problems. It can be staff problems or uh, work problems. So uh, that's one applicable application that we can do. So we have had three movements, and the, I'm going to run through a few of them. Okay, the, the, the first one is Lectio, which basically asks you to pick out a word or a phrase. So the leader would read very slowly that verse. In view of God's mercy, da, 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 offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. And we would pick up one word or phrase. And then everybody will share if you're in a group, uh, just the word, or don't, don't need to elaborate uh, why I say 
worship, you know, worship because oh, I'm a worship leader or something. Just say the word. Next is meditatio. And then, uh, what is God trying to say to me about this word, worship? Hmm. Yeah, I'm a worship leader and uh, yeah, I uh, love worship. Or maybe, you know, God, God says this in, in His word, worship is not just a, horizontal, a vertical thing between Him and God, but, uh, but uh, uh, what? a horizontal relationship as well. And maybe God is trying to tell me about my relationships or something like that. And then go back, go to the next one. Uh, have a conversation with God. So God, uh, what's this thing about worship uh, what, that, that the Holy Spirit is bringing to my attention? Uh, what about this are you trying to tell me? And God might say, do you remember the other day uh, you did this thing uh, and to someone, uh, you said something that uh, offended someone. Maybe it's time for you to you know, go and resolve it or ask him for forgiveness. Then, uh, oh yeah, your word says, God, that uh, you know, when you come to worship and uh, you have something against your brother, right? Uh, you come, you leave your your sacrifice at the altar, and then you come to oh sacrifice. Sacrifice was mentioned in in that uh, verse as well, holy and pleasing sacrifices. So you have a conversation with him, uh, and uh, and it might go from lectio to meditatio to oratio, and finally the last movement is something that also we uh, we um, we overlook but of vital importance. Contemplatio. I'm trying to be a bit Italiano, you know. Contemplatio. <laughs> okay, so the contemplatio is basically to sit in silence. You know, I, I felt it was hard to say all these words until I put myself in the Italian restaurant and then, uh, you know, <laughs> hear the chef speaking, you know, contemplatio, you know, oratio. Pasta and pizza. So, okay. So the last movement, contemplatio, is to sit in silence. It's basically the part where you, after you have ingested the food, you begin to digest it into your being. So there's something about sitting in silence, uh, I don't know, um, that allows the conviction to settle in your whole being. You know, sometimes when, oh, God tells us to forgive my brother, then I, yeah. I just straight away go and forgive my brother. Then it feels very superficial, you know. It's just something God said in my head, and it's only in my head, and I'm just going to do it because it's what God tells me to do. But sitting in silence allows it to settle and internalize into your being so that when you do ask for forgiveness, for example, you ask it with a sincerity, for example, or, you know, a conviction. So that uh, last uh, movement uh, is important for that. And then after that, if you're in a group, it would be good to share what your journey was, what was your conversation with one another, and encourage your brother or sister about your journey with God. Um, Okay, I think uh, that's the, the practice. And if you want to know more, you can go to Bible Gateway uh, to learn more. So I just want to give this uh, point of time to respond, okay, to God, to the, to the Word of God. So we've talked about the Word of God, which is living and active. And uh, it is powerful because the Holy Spirit is its author. The Holy Spirit makes the Word come alive for us.
and make it meaning in, uh, for, uh, meaningful for us. In an age where food no longer satisfies us, where drink cannot take away that emptiness or that hollowness in our soul, in an age where our bodies are telling us that we have been fooled by the consumer giants, uh, God is inviting us today to taste and see that the word is the bread that truly satisfies. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our spiritual poverty has manifested its, itself in a physical hunger that cannot be satiated with food. But the Lord invites us to a feast. No longer will we be hungry and thirsty, for you will be satisfied with the riches of food. Okay, you know, um, let's just respond to God. Let's just be quiet for a while. In a while, I'm just going gonna, gonna to invite a few uh, uh, different groups of people to come out, but I just want to talk about just one last aspect of the word, the authority of God's word. When God's word is spoken, it brings into alignment not just our bodies, right? But the verses, it goes into our marrow, bones and marrow, our body. But it goes into our thoughts and our attitudes as well. When the word of God is spoken, it calls us into alignment, attitudes, our thoughts. And more than that, it brings us, our spirit man, into alignment with the Holy Spirit as well. I think we, may have, we might have remembered about the testimony of this girl among us who had problems with insomnia, but after memorizing scripture, she began to see breakthrough in her life. What happened was, what happened there? You know, uh, the, the word of God may not even have been relate, uh, um, relevant, exactly talking to her situation, but as she memorized scripture, as she spoke that scripture over herself, her body came into alignment and it began to experience wholeness and healing so today I just want to ask if you desire to see the word come alive God says draw near to me and I will draw near to you You know, if you desire to have that desire for the word of God come and uh, respond to him and ask him for that the Holy Spirit to fill you perhaps you have neglected the word of God I'm guilty of that Come and repent and the Lord will forgive you and fill you up again. That's the first group of people you desire to see the Word of God come alive. The second group of people are those who have committed to read the Bible through or to memorizing Scripture in your life. Respond and allow us to pray with you. We just want to pray the Holy Spirit to come and speak powerfully to you as you read the Scriptures, as you read the Word of Life to support you in this really noble endeavor. endeavor. So just ask uh, that is uh, the worship team place that you come and respond to him.